0: Welcome to another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast. On today's episode, we sit down with Scott Myers, the founder of SelfStorageInvesting.com, and we talk about the space of acquiring self-storage assets. Now, a recent article uh, came out dealing with this matter. It actually talked about Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, That's actually the company owned and operated by uh, Warren Buffett and it says Berkshire Hathaway enters storage sector with senior hire. Uh, Self-storage broker Cameron Val is helping a multi-billion dollar conglomerate gain ground in the storage industry. Now, I came to know about this because of this episode. During our conversation with Scott, he let us know that Warren Buffett is now investing in the space and why you may want to pay attention to So without further ado, let's hop into this conversation.
1: All right, we are back for another great episode of How to Acquire Podcast, and I'm excited about this conversation. Uh, I've always wanted to learn about this world for as long as I can remember. I just couldn't necessarily find the right person to have the conversation with. And thanks to the universe, thanks thanks to uh, positive thinking, I have a very special guest coming on uh, the show today to talk to us about investing in storage and the whole entire um, ecosystem that comes along with it. Uh, Joining us on today's podcast is Scott Myers. Welcome to How to Acquire Podcast. Hey, DJ. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. For those who don't know who you are, just tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about yourself and uh, some of the companies you represent.
2: Okay, well, first of all, I am a husband to an amazing wife, uh, who is my life partner and business partner, although she gave me the ultimatum, DJ, that um, she is quitting in May officially, so (laughs) there'll be a vacancy over here, Um, and also the father of three amazing uh, kiddos uh, that are aged uh, 20, 18, and uh, 15 Um, Aside from that, I am a self-storage investor, syndicator, developer, operator, uh, you name it, uh, all things uh, self-storage. I've been in in storage for 15 years, started in uh, real estate back in 1993 with single family houses, then uh, apartments, office buildings, warehouses, cold storage, and then uh, once I found self-storage, the light went on and uh, we sold everything else off and never turn back, and that's, uh, that's all we do now. We've got 2.2 million square feet of storage nationwide. We have 13,000 units. And then along the way, we also created a, a, an education company and a, and a publishing company. So we teach people how to go about doing this business as well. We've been doing that since 2007 and fortunate enough, blessed enough to be able to partner with many of our the folks that we've brought along as well as other joint ventures. And then a, a big piece of what we do is, is on the mission field. We build houses in Mexico and the Dominican Republic. And we take our investors, our partners, our staff, our family, friends uh, along with us, uh, we we supplement the funds for that. It's basically all expenses paid to take people onto the mission field to have that experience and build a house and give it away. So that's uh, I think that's the, the the two minute version. How's that?
1: No, I love I love the fact that on top of the great things that you're doing in the investment space, you also are giving back and making sure that you're putting an impact behind or having a mission behind everything that you're doing. I think that's awesome.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, it's you know the the business itself uh, has served as a mission field. I I began as an investor, and getting into real estate for the reasons everybody loves—at least I think—and that is passive income, or at least not having to work as hard, not having to work for somebody else, having the the freedom and the flexibility, and hopefully the money to go out and do what you would like to do. And very fortunate to be able to do that. My wife and I set that. As a goal, as a plan, when we started our family, is that we wanted to raise our kids and we wanted to be available to them and for them, and to be able to travel and go out onto the mission field. And self storage has been able to supply that. Never thought that we would get into the education space or the publishing space, but that was as a result of the financial challenges we had early on in our business, and as a result of turning that around and learning from the folks of uh, Dave Ramsey and a number of other organizations, we began meeting the needs of those who also are com- hurting and coming from the same background as us and how to get out of the challenges that, that many investors face when they start out in the business. And so thus our education company was born to teach people that there's a, a different, perhaps a better way and a more prepared way to enter the real estate game than, than what we did and what many others do.
1: Well, from what I'm hearing you, you're saying, it sounds like there's a, a distinction and I'm looking forward to learning. There's a distinction in investing in, in storage and self-storage. Are you saying those are two different classifications or uh, levels of thinking?
2: Not necessarily. I think storage is a more broader scope. Obviously, there is cold storage. I've invested in that. There's boat and RV storage, although many self-storage facilities have boat and RV storage as a component. But self-storage by definition is just that. It's self-storage. It means that it's what people traditionally think of when they think of or hear about a self-storage facility. And what that looks like is a a big, long, single-story building with a bunch of garage doors on it. (laughs) So whether it's that or the three-story, very nice class a facilities with glass and gleaming metal uh, at the end of the day self-storage means just that it's uh, it you have as a renter of a unit you have sole access self access to that unit so it is not warehousing where everybody has access to your stuff in an open space um, and creating a bailment or what we call liability. Self-storage, you're the only person that has the key or the combination. The owner, the manager, the landlord, if you want to call it that, does not have access to that. So it's a, it's a distinctly different piece of storage. But self-storage falls underneath the realm of industrial real estate, industrial commercial real estate, in which there are many forms of storage, being warehousing and various forms of that, boat and RV storage and then self-storage.
1: Well, I I find that to be interesting because part of, I guess, the perk could be uh, for the uh, potential client on the other end is they're going to have the privacy that they need in order to accomplish Mm -hmm. the different things in their life. And that's a really great selling point as Mm -hmm. an asset uh, to have underneath your portfolio.
2: Mm -hmm. It it is. I mean, there's uh, there's. It's interesting, DJ. There's there's people that look at their storage unit as almost an extension of themselves. As almost um, kind of like, you know, hey, I got a storage unit. Uh, like somebody would brag about their car or maybe their right. nice new lawnmower. It's uh, it, it's become a, to a degree somewhat of a status symbol to say you got a storage unit. And I think some people perhaps somehow some way would like to be known as somebody who's got so much stuff. They're they're doing so well that they got extra stuff, <laughs> and so it has to right. go in the storage unit. And so you know we we've heard people you know talk about it in a, in that fashion at the end of the day I, I'm believe it or not i'm I'm more of a min- minimalist, and uh, we have one storage unit, um, basically, if you want to call it that, and it's really just excess equipment for our businesses. We don't have anything additional in our house um, so I am not a good consumer of the product that I promote to the rest of the country who is a nation of hoarders, as you know, <laughs> and so God love them for uh, you know making us rich in the process along with our students but Uh, you know, I am not uh, going to partake in that. And uh, I learned a lesson a long time ago uh, that uh, hoarding is not a good thing for the budget or uh, otherwise.
1: I definitely agree. That being said, I've definitely noticed uh, how powerful, just based off of the things that I'm hearing, how Mm -hmm. powerful investing in this asset class can be. Mm -hmm. What makes it so powerful? um, What have you found as Mm -hmm. what, what makes us different uh, then maybe some other asset classes and maybe in your opinion, even better.
2: Yeah, uh, m- many, many reasons. But the basics, you know, I've I founded our education business on the top 10 reasons why I love self-storage. And it starts with no tenants, no toilets and, and trash um, at, the, at the top. And that is because in, in coming from the habitational real estate world, you know, everybody says they love they love rental real estate. Single-family rentals and apartments. If it weren't for the tenants, well, you know, obviously, tongue-in-cheek, you don't have a business uh, in that business if you don't have renters. But in in the habitational real estate world, they they move in, they ten months later stop paying rent. And it takes 60 days to get them out, and there's very little you can do to get them out from the court standpoint, and very little you can do to collect from them afterwards. Now, now, before everybody is yelling at me on the other end of this, I I get that, yes, the courts do uphold some of these, and there are – we know that there's a a mechanism for collecting back rent, but at the end of the day, for the landlords that have been in this for a while, you know, be honest with yourselves because I've been in it too – there's very little recourse for getting the money out. And by the way, those tenants that you're evicting, they get so mad at you because you're the big bad landlord that is kicking them out because they're stealing from you. Oh, I'm sorry, they're not paying rent, Um, that they will take a claw hammer and go down the drywall, you know, on all four corners of the, the, the room. And then uh, leave the door open on the way out, and sometimes the bathtub running. So, I, I, right. and and then the courts call that excessive uh, maintenance or wear and tear. And well, where I came from, you know, if you steal and you defame somebody's property, then you, you go to jail for defaming and or stealing. And somehow, in the habitation real estate world, the courts look at it uh, differently, as well as in the public p- opinion that. People don't think they have to pay to live somewhere. And if they destroy the place that they may get a slap on the hand, but at the end of the day, there's there's nothing in place and no mechanism to go collect from those folks. And and that's really the only corner of our country where you can literally steal from somebody and destroy their property and not go to jail for it. So at that point, I, I decided point. that, you know, it's even the best cook in the world can't fix a broken recipe. And so I'm I'm out. You know, when when somebody leaves our self-storage unit or if um, we have to boot them out for not paying, well, the process is much different. After six days, we put a lock on their unit and they can't get in. And if they don't pay us in 90 days for the back rent and their late fees, then we sell their stuff, we take the money back and we move on to the next. It's as simple as that. I am the judge and jury. And then what's left, if, if we do have to, you know, call it evict somebody, we don't evict anybody because it's eviction is part of habitation real estate. But if we hold an auction and go through the lien process, When somebody buys the contents of that unit, they take the whole thing lock, stock and barrel and they have to clean it out. So what we're left with is um, a metal box on a concrete slab that is rent ready immediately. And so as soon as that person moves the last item out, you know, 10 minutes later, we'll move in the next person in. We don't have to pay for and take the time for repairing the carpets, uh, cleaning the carpets, replacing the carpets, repairing appliances, paint, drywall uh marketing it uh, i mean you name it uh all of that goes away with self-storage we're constantly marketing our facility it's online it's on uh, on the web we have you know specials that are going on but that marketing is in place all the time and so when somebody moves out it's it's literally dj 10 minutes and we move in the next person waiting in line so for for all those reasons that is uh, when i said earlier that i saw the light um you know there's there's (laughs) reasons behind that light where i said this is the asset class that comes uh, as close as possible to not having all the challenges that we have and run a real estate with the three T's, meaning tenants, toilets, and trash. Well,
1: it sounds like you would have a lot more control. I know one of the famous quotes is, uh, own nothing, control everything. Yeah. In this particular instance, you would have a lot more control with this type mm-hmm. of asset than you would with another, you know, asset in the real estate space.
2: Yeah. And at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Um, Not control. None of us are control freaks, but uh, on the opposite end of that means that your tenants are running your business and and they dictate the profit and loss statement at the end of the year. Whereas we we do have a lot more control. Uh, You know, the place where we don't have ultimate control is, you know, we don't know what kind of stuff they left in there for those that did stay behind and we had to auction their stuff off. We may not recoup all of our back rent and our late fees if they had a bunch of junk in there. Uh, but in many cases, we, we get a, a fair amount and up to and including the amount that was owed. And in some cases, it's even more. Now, we don't get to keep that. We have to give it back to the state. It, it goes into the, you know, Indiana unclaimed or Florida unclaimed or New Jersey unclaimed. But at the end of the day, there's never been an instance in which a tenant left and paid me more than what was owed on a unit, period, in, in the history. And uh, we had over 400 units for several years, and uh, that never happened. Uh, but in storage, that is that is how it operates because it's different. We have the protection of the lien laws in self-storage, which pertains to industrial real estate versus habitational laws. The difference being habitational laws protect the tenant and lien laws protect the owner. Um, I have charities. Uh, we give away to multiple partner organizations and we build houses, but I get to control that too. My charity is not my real estate in which people get to live for free and destroy my property and get away with it.
1: I definitely understand that. Um, what are you, I know you built this educational platform as well, and you're teaching your, your students how to do exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. What are their first initial thoughts when maybe they came from a real estate yeah. background and they didn't even know about right. this world? What type of conversations are they having, having with yeah. you once they realize the difference?
2: Well the initial um, gosh uh, the, this seems to, too good to be true and is this really how it works and why didn't I do this sooner is usually you know the, the, the main ones but I think um, it, oh, after that you know getting beyond you know the initial I, I guess emotional uh, it is wow um, I didn't think that I could get into commercial real estate whether it be apartments or self storage or mobile home parks or what have you um, so easily. Meaning, I think a lot of investors, um, if they're coming in, whether they own real estate or they're just an entrepreneur, thinking, uh, you know, I have to slug it out Uh, for many years. I have to, you know, mind my P's and Q's for multiple years to get experience to be able to do this and to get funding or have a bank or private equity partners look at me seriously enough to be able to fund our projects. When it's the opposite of that, the lenders in commercial real estate and self-storage are looking at the strength of the facility more so than the strength of the borrower and their balance sheet and their W2 income to cover the debt. Because if things go south, when you own a piece of commercial real estate, like a self-storage facility, well, they take it back, but what they're left with is an income stream. They got an income stream that that is covering their costs until they're able to turn it around and sell it, if things should go bad on your end. Whereas with a single family house, you know, if things go bad, um, you know what they take it back, and it's been sitting vacant for a while. And if it's in the north, the pipes are frozen; they have to fix it, you know, repair it, and then try to sell it off. Whereas, they just put in a management company in place with commercial real estate, lease it up a little bit more if they want to, and they are just pedal it off after that. So they have an income stream and they have a tangible asset that is uh, that has more value to it than when they bought it. Especially if you're going coming in with a 75% loan-to-value, you know, loan on this, your equity goes away, and what they're left with is the underlying asset, which is all the value you anyways, if that makes sense. So I think it's a shock for investors coming in to realize, wow, I didn't know it was so simple. uh, Because lenders love, first of all, the way it works in commercial real estate and lenders love self storage, because it has the lowest loan default rate of all the commercial asset classes. Um, It is very recession resistant, um, which is another reason why I love this asset class DJ is going back to your previous question. And that is, Mm -hmm. You know, when times are good in this country, we buy more stuff and people have a need to store more stuff when they run out of room at their homes. When times are tough, we head into a recession, people downsize, businesses downsize, and the extra stuff, whether it be inventory for businesses or just, you know, personal belongings when they move back home with mom and dad or move in with their friends goes into storage. And so during a recession, we actually, the industry does better during a recession than it does during boom times. So we have the, a very, if I could sum it up, a very simple, predictable business model. It's not an easy business, but a simple, predictable business model that is very recession resistant that banks love. Uh, that is the reason why we went you 100 know, um, percent, sold everything else off 100 percent into self-storage and helping to serve the folks that want to come along with us that also uh, now see the light or we're showing it to them if they haven't yet.
1: No, I'm definitely, you have my my eyes wide open Mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the possibilities. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: For a a new investor or a new investor into this space, Mm -hmm. one of the questions they may have is, well, am I going to have to raise capital like I did before Mm-hmm. Um, what what is the right size to start off with as far right. as mm-hmm. the, the, the type of property uh, wh- what do you say to those new investors who are trying to figure out some of those initial mm-hmm. questions sure. when they're first getting into this world mm-hmm. i say
2: listen to me and what i have to tell you it is the truth <laughs> and that <laughs> is to buy the biggest you can you can get because okay. the tendency, DJ, is, you know, well, I've got X amount of money in, in savings in the bank or in real estate that I get my hands on or borrow from a credit line. And so then, if that, that represents 25% down on a project, this is the size at a 75% loan to value project that I can buy. And if they have very little cash, that's a very small self storage facility. And although there's nothing wrong with doing that, it's the management side of it that's really difficult. So if it's a smaller facility and it can't afford, you know, a part-time employee, a part-time manager at the, at the facility or a full-time manager or a full-time management company, then you're stuck managing it. And your your job, your goal as a business owner is to go out and source more money and to source more deals and match them up. It's not to be sitting behind the counter or just taking calls and meeting people at a self storage facility that is the the worst use of your time so when i say go buy the biggest you can um, and if you can't really buy something that large and get a partner or get good at raising private capital because the money is there there's you know private lenders you know your equity partners are just like bankers they're looking around at what has the best investment return on investment in commercial real estate right now and You know, last time I looked, um, self-storage is leading the pack. It has done very well, and it it has resisted COVID because we're touchless. We've been offering touchless rentals since uh, before it was cool to offer touchless rentals. (laughs) And it's an essential business. It's been in need during COVID because people are downsizing. Businesses are downsizing. Kids went back from school quick and uh, early, and people came home from the office, and they had to clean out spare bedrooms and living rooms. And so, you know, we've done extremely well. Um, as an asset class not only during the past recessions but also during covid and so a lot of folks looking at self-storage a lot of money pouring into it so your job as somebody new coming into this is to go find the deal and i don't want to make it sound you know as simple as oh just you know find. it's not like feel the dreams and build it and they will come but if you find a deal and you have any network at all you'll be able to get the deal across the finish line talk to the lenders um, partner on this, you know, look at seller carry back. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of folks that want to get a piece of the action in self storage. So if you're willing to partner with folks and get into something a little bit larger, if you are a little cash deficient, then there are multiple ways of doing it. Cause there's a whole lot of folks that want to get into this business with you.
1: Thank you. Um, so from a portfolio uh, type of mindset, if I'm building a portfolio, is this a really great asset class uh, where I can be in one state and be able to manage my portfolio in many different states, many different locations.
2: Well, I'm I'm living proof of that. Um, it wasn't long before we began looking at uh, other parts of the country. And at the end of the day, a good deal. I'll go anywhere for a good deal because it's a 25 minute drive to my airport and a you know 150 to 200 flight to go do 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 the due diligence. Right, and that usually means that I've got a partner on the other end who found it out somewhere else that's going to do the heavy lifting, and we'll have the division of duties and a management company that's going to manage it. So. Um, it's never as good as in your backyard. I mean, let, let's face it; uh, that's just the fact. But right. when, when your backyard or two-hour or three-hour drive of you uh, in all your marketing efforts for a while hasn't produced the killer deal, then you know if the killer deal is a state or two away and you, you drive it or you fly it, um, it it's it's such a management non-intensive business, the transaction is so non-intensive that, um, you know, it doesn't require like my apartments to always go check on the contractors and the managers in the office and, and on the building, because there's so many people around doing stuff to it. You know, we're talking about a row of, of metal boxes on concrete slabs where people put their junk, I mean, their treasures, excuse me, their treasures in, <laughs> and it's managed by a kiosk in most cases and a regional right. supervisor that checks in every once in a while and takes some of the cash out of the box. Um, And In many cases, we don't take much cash any longer and make sure that everything looks clean and the security cameras and lighting and everything else takes care of the rest. So it's it's a very um, labor non intensive business that um, I don't worry about pipes bursting. I don't worry about contractor stuff getting stolen. There's just fewer way fewer moving parts in this business that um, has not caused an issue. Sometimes, DJ, it's six months to a year before I visit a facility. You know, the last time I visited a facility and it looks the same as the last time I was there or my management company takes pictures or I have somebody doing due diligence on the ground in that area. It's it's rare that I'm ever surprised when I go back for a site visit of of anything, you know, that I didn't expect to see.
1: I love that. So I want to ask you a question Mm -hmm. that I tend to end up asking everyone why aren't more people talking about this asset class? Why is it not, you know, front page? You know, I, I look and look down on my phone every day. Mm. You're one of the only few voices I even hear yeah. talking about this. So I'm wondering why, why is it so private or secret?
2: Yeah, that's, that's about to change. And it has been changing over the years. Um, I think, you know, when I began my, my real estate education business and self storage, mm-hmm. you know, I was you know, marketing. You know, saying this is a business people need to get in. I I felt everybody should have at least one self storage facility. You know, something that's doesn't take a lot of your time and then produces cash flow and is recession resistant. And in in many cases, it should be the anchor to some people's portfolio. Right. The transactional based. You know, for the wholesalers, the flippers, and those folks. You know, buy one of these that's passive and then go back to doing what you're doing. And so as a result of that, you know, yeah, I, I've been promoting the industry, but you know, lo and behold, then, you know, it doesn't take long before everybody sees that the returns by the public companies. So when I say that meaning public storage, extra space, store smart, you know, cube smart, um, you know, life storage, the number of the big, you know, class A facilities and the REITs, the real estate investment trust behind them mm-hmm. when the returns continue to outperform everything else. Then all of a sudden now all, all eyeballs are on self storage and because mm-hmm. it did so well at the beginning of COVID. And as we head into a recession, uh, you know, recently Blackstone um, purchased one point six, uh, made a purchase of one point six billion dollars of simply self storage. Buffett got into self storage in a major way. Bill Gates, Bill Gates got into storage in a major way. And so, you know, three of the largest investors in the country get involved in a big way in self storage. Well, yeah, it's not a secret any longer. Right now, we have a lot of folks that are looking at it and coming into our space and realizing for the first time that this is a serious asset class. But that that that's one answer to your question. But the other way is. I think many people look at it the way I did early on, which is, well, I'm I'm in houses and I build beautiful houses and we rehab incredible homes and we have apartments and you know we're paying multiple millions of dollars for these and we're regentrifying and we're looking at nicer you know making them nicer and uh, we're heading up the food chain and then we're going to get into mm-hmm. Class A apartments and maybe office buildings and maybe I'll buy a marina or a golf course someday, and, and what I failed to look at was. The the most profitable sector in all of real estate is down there. It's those metal boxes on concrete slabs. They have the highest Mm -hmm. return, the recession resistant, and year after year, they produce higher returns than anything else. But um, I was so caught up in being the sophisticated investor and uh, being able to brag about, um, here's here, look at what I'm investing in, rather than looking at the bank account. Because at the end of the day, you know what's sexy? It in a class A facility that's a break even or loses money. Um, what's sexy is the bank account and um, it doesn't matter what's tied to it. And now uh, I'll tell you what, I can't drive by a self-storage facility without getting a shiver up and down my spine because I, I they're sexy because <laughs> they produce right. cash
1: flow. I, I will say, I think that is, I think you're hitting the the nail on the head. I think for a lot of people, what they're looking for is in, in conversation to talk about something that's flashy, yeah. sexy, the big thing, and everybody's the, the trending thing. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, let's really focus on your portfolio yeah. and making sure that you're making the best. Because if you mm-hmm. really want to be a sophisticated investor, you're going to find the best deal possible. That's and right. What better deal than something that's going to give you consistent returns?
2: I, I used to, whenever we were on the sidelines of my kids' soccer matches or swim meets or at a neighborhood party or whatever, when somebody asks, you know, what do you do? I thought, I got to think of something better to answer this because <laughs> when I say I'm in self-storage, well, they say, oh, you mean like on TV? You buy up those units and sell them on eBay? Go, no, we're on the right. other side. We, we, we own the facilities. So what does that look like? And I start to explain it and their eyes glaze over and then they find somebody else to talk to. So um, it ain't sexy, I get it. But um, at the end of the day... It's, that's all right. Um, this is about a lifestyle and a lifestyle in which um, I have the freedom to raise my kids and the ability to go out and make a difference in the world and create missionaries in, in the process. And um, yeah, that's what's important, not being able to show a picture of a flashy
1: apartment complex. No, I think uh, I definitely understand exactly your perspective on that. And we are very similar in, in that way. Um so people are listening to this, they're really enjoying, hopefully they're enjoying the conversation. I'm definitely enjoying the conversation. What is the process to work with you, to collaborate with you, uh, mm-hmm. to get to, to learn this world and start investing in uh, self-storage?
2: Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I'm out there on, on all the socials, so you can certainly start following that. Just uh, You can type in Scott Myers, um, you'll, you'll find me in self, Scott Myers Self-Storage. But our, our website is uh, really the main uh, hub, if you will, for all things self-storage education. So self-storageinvesting.com, self-storageinvesting.com. And uh, fortunately, uh, DJ, I got that uh, domain very early on in my career. I'd be paying handsomely for that now. Uh, but we, gotta, we do have a lot of free videos, a lot of free resources you know, for people to you know, get their feet wet, but then also to not you know, help them to not make a mistake when they start out. And then obviously, we have a, a suite of resources. Uh, we have live events uh, you know, the background that you see behind me is uh, is not my home. I am at a, a golf resort in Florida right now as we are getting ready to conduct our mastermind as well as our three-day self-storage academy live event. And so uh, we do offer live events. Uh, we do have uh, mentoring. We have coaching. Uh, we have software. And of course, our home study system, which has launched uh, hundreds of people's self-storage uh, career. So Take a poke around, look at, grab, grab all the free information and uh, hop on some of the webinars, um, uh, enough to get you started and head you down the right path without making a mistake out of the gate. And then uh, certainly all the resources possible to get into um, the business of finding, evaluating, purchasing and managing self-storage facilities. We cover it all.
1: Love that. Uh, what is something, and as we reflect on this episode and mm-hmm. just kind of looking over all the wisdom that you're you're providing. What's the final thing that you would say to someone who's just about to enter into the asset class that you wish you would have known?
2: That I wish I would have known. Well, probably cliche, but uh, again, to say that I wish I would have done this sooner. Um, I really would have. I mean, you know, If I had just set my pride aside and, and quite honestly listened to my wife, um, many folks in our community have heard the story. And, you know, years before we got into self-storage, when um, we got in trouble in single family homes at, at, the, at the dot-com crash. When everybody that could fog a mirror after that could get a house, all our renters left our rental houses and, and we struggled. And my wife, this is back in 2000, my wife said, what about some storage? And I didn't listen to her because I was going down the what I thought was a sexy path. Well, then years later, um, when we ran into um, uh, more financial challenges, or I was just fed up with being in the apartment business uh, and, and houses. She said, hey, what about self-storage? And, and I thought, I, yep, I, I'm going to listen this time. And so that was um, five years later that we began looking into and then got into self-storage. So that's quite honestly um, a little bit of humility, just swallowing my pride um, for the men out there that are married. Maybe good advice is listen to your wife. <laughs> they do know better many times. And um, yeah, just getting started sooner was really the main thing. Also, I think one of the things I've learned along the way in my journey, um, You know, we've, um, we've been at this a while now when you begin to look back. And I, early on, I didn't want to take on partners. Um, I had a, a bad partnership experience and the breakup was bad, but, you know, it doesn't have to be that way. And, and usually there's bad operating agreements, there's bad paperwork, and there's, you know, bad um, decision-making in the beginning where you set up your roles and responsibilities that really leads to bad partnerships. Since then, you know, that's, that's the way we've grown. You know, we, we, right. we bring on multiple equity partners. Some of them bring some some assistance to the table in terms of their knowledge and assistance. Most of them are passive, but either way, just realizing that, um, you know, you, if you want to go fast, go alone, as the African proverb says. And if you want to go farther, then go, oh my gosh, now I've forgotten it. <laughs> or if you want to... Uh, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go farther, um, go with many, mm, take many people along with you. Somebody, will, somebody n- understands the We'll correct no, that. But, exactly, um, go you know? together. Sorry. If you want to go farther, go together. Yes. So it's bringing more folks along with, uh, with not only the equity that they bring, but also other resources and and people's Rolodex that I should have just been open to that earlier. I, um, I think most of us entrepreneurs, um, struggle to that a, a degree. That's why we're kind of out solo on our own anyways. Um, so th- those are the two pieces I'd have for you.
1: Do those equity partners need to also go through that training first or are mm-hmm. they just simply bringing in the, the cash and looking at the, the return on investment?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Most of those folks, um, they're passive storage uh, investors for a reason. They, they, they understand the asset class. They see it. You know, they've read, they've learned about what it looks like as an investment, um, but they may not know the best way to underwrite or how to manage and operate. So at the end of the day, you know, we, we show them that. And you know, in our the, the process in uh, onboarding somebody who wants to invest with us is uh, is lengthy. We give them access to information to learn, you know, so they know what they're looking at. Uh, but ultimately, it's not a requirement for them to invest uh, with us. Uh, again, we certainly hope so that they would do that. But um, you know, um, there are many, many trusting souls out there, and our reputation precedes us that um, these folks are happy to write a check and get involved in some of our projects. Although. You know, I would rather see a little more uh, due diligence on their end do due, due diligence on us and the, and the asset class before they invest. So long-winded answer to your question, but to them, no, they don't have to know the ins and outs of the business to invest with us.
1: Awesome, awesome. Well, Scott, I want to thank you so much for stopping by How to Acquire Podcast, teaching us about your asset class. The doors are open. Anytime mm-hmm. you want to come back, if there's any new initiatives or you want to continue the conversation on self-storage investing, Please come back. We'd love to have you.
2: Um, I appreciate that, DJ. I'd love to, and appreciate all that you're doing for teaching the masses in the beginning, how to go out and, and acquire. That's that, the goal behind it. You're doing a great
1: job, so appreciate you. Appreciate you as well. Thank you.
0: What a great conversation with Scott. I want to thank him for stopping through and giving us a deeper insight into the world of self-storage. To me, this is an asset class we have to pay attention to. I'm not telling you that you have to invest. I'm telling you that this is a really great time to pay attention. Pay attention to some of these asset classes that do not get the most coverage. Those may be the very places where you can teach others how to acquire and build a nice portfolio. I'm DJ Motry of How to Acquire Podcasts. And I'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for tuning in. Please leave a review, a comment, or just follow us on Acquisitions Network on Instagram. And we'll be talking to you again soon.